In case you've forgotten who I am, my name is Neil Davidson. I have not been in front of you for a month now and um, uh, departed for Rwanda on February 8th, a day early because of the snowstorms, and it was my ninth trip to Rwanda, uh, joined by John Scudieri, and then Christina followed a week later with Shane Caldwell, our mission pastor. Um, I counted it up. I've spent a little bit more than four months of my life at this point in Rwanda, as you added up all over the years. And, um, you know, as I climbed on the plane on February 8th, I, I knew the, the thought, and it's not going to be a full-blown sermon this morning, but the thought that I wanted to share with you today, because as we went to Rwanda, um, we're going to be teaching the book of 1 Samuel, and then we talk, we're going to teach the Gospel of John. And so we knew that as we come to that Friday morning, we'd be dealing with the last few chapters before we kind of have our closing celebration, and they load up their 70 pounds of food that we were able to put together for them, and they were able to carry off. And, and I knew that final morning we'd be dealing with one of the most profound but simplest teachings of Christ, and it's found in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. You know, it's after the resurrection, and 10 of the 11 remaining disciples are gathered in a locked room. Thomas isn't there. The others, uh, Judas obviously has betrayed him and has moved off the scene. And the ten are gathered, and, and without opening a door, Jesus appears in the midst of them. And he, he says, my peace I give to you. And then he starts showing them his hands and his pierced side. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. And this idea of being sent is a powerful thing for us to consider. Now, what Jesus was trying to communicate to these guys was the idea that, okay, I was sent to be redemption. I wasn't sent to proclaim it. I was sent to be redemption. And you can look at my hands. You can look at my side. And I've done my role. Now I'm sending you to proclaim redemption. And, you know, this is... The, the, the idea that I want to get, get across to you today is that is, is you and I don't really ever experience the significance, the depth, the real meaning of what it means to be a follower of Christ if we don't have this appreciation that we're sent. You know, we could unpack this teaching of Jesus in a lot of different ways. Some of it's the continuity you know, of, of God's activity. Jesus says, as I was sent, I'm sending you. You know, he started out with sending Abraham into the promised land. He sent Moses back into Egypt, and then the sun comes into the world, and then we're sent out. We could talk about that. We could talk about the mandate, the sense of obligation that we have, that the one who has all authority granted to him looks us in the eyes and says, go. But the thing that I, I really want us to focus on today is the necessity of going. And, and not the necessity in the sense of the global mission, that there's a lot of need out there in the world, there's a lot of need in your world, but the, for the personal necessity of being sent. Because you and I, I, I don't really ever think we get our lives calibrated to being people of faith if we're not living with a sense of being sent. If, if somehow or another... Our faith is about, well, what God can do to solve my problems, what God can do to make me feel blessed, what, what I, and we don't have a sense that, that we've been sent into the world, that we've been sent, whether it's our world at work or at school or in our neighborhood or it's South Africa or Rwanda or Scotland or Hawaii, 
Dominican Republic, Hawaii sounds pretty good, right? Especially today when it's so cold out, you know, that, those kind of, and, and, but th- there are aspects that you and I can, le- we cannot learn, I cannot learn about certain things without actually living a life of being sent. There, there is a personal spiritual necessity for us. And, and, and I don't have this all mastered, but just, just, just think about some of the things that you've heard this morning from, from our, our teens, and, and they're learning this as juniors in, in high school, and from our adults, and, and from the experiences that, I, that I've been through and others. That, that one of the things is what, when, when, when you step out on the mission field, right, whether it, it's your mission field at work or whether it's halfway around the world, and you're actually engaged in doing what it is that you've been made to do. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. When you're out doing it, it feels right. There's a sense of joy. There's this thrill. And you don't get that sense by doing life about you and then everybody and then seeing how God can make that life better for you. That's not the way it works. And there's this sense that you and I, that, that there's a, when we, we get our lives aligned around what God's doing, and, and the thing that strikes me is that as I got a chance to read through the prayer requests of our Quest kids, one of the most consistent statements they made was, I don't want to go back to being what I was like before I went. They've, they've had this taste out here of what is it really like to, to live a life that's conscious of the fact that I'm here to make a difference for the kingdom, and they don't want to go back to just doing, well, I'm just a student in my school. They, they, don't, they don't want to go back to where God's not really involved in all those kinds of things. There's a, there's a, I think there's a way in which there's a, a sense of urgency that develops. One of our kids was pretty honest to say, I'm... I can be lazy. <laughs> There's a lot of you are saying, yeah, me too. You know, uh, most of you right now, if you tick through, you say, you know what, I, I, I've known that I've needed to work on this spiritually for months, for years, and I haven't done anything about it. But there's something about getting out on the mission field of living with a sent mentality in our world that generates a sense of urgency, a desire to be bold, a desire to step out beyond you heard the word comfort zone quite a bit today. Those things are powerful things. There's ways in which there's a, a clarity of purpose. And I, I, I just want to share a couple of a closing thoughts. You know, one, I, and, and we haven't raised this idea up quite as, bit, as much lately, but, you know, our journey spiritually is the apt, exact opposite of our journey physically. We... We, we grow from being in a position where we're totally dependent upon others. We're born into this world. We can do nothing for ourselves. We're totally dependent upon others. And we work through our lives to get to a place where we can be independent. But spiritually, the journey is just the opposite. We are doing life on our own, without God, and yet slowly we have to learn. This. And, and there is something about getting out beyond our comfort zones, getting out into living with a sent mentality in our worlds that puts us in a place where we have to depend upon God like never before. Christina will 
probably get a chance next week with you to share a little bit about some of her experiences with meeting with the women and the types of questions that were coming to her and, and, and sitting down that night and listening to her talk about those experiences and saying, you know, when a question was being asked and then it was being interpreted to me, thinking to myself, I have absolutely nothing to say. You know, I, I am not prepared for this. And then somehow or another you open your mouth and words start coming out. And by the time you get done, you're just like, well, that had some value to it. You know, I, and, and I, I can remember when I was a college student, you know, um, you know I, was, I was preaching in a small little mission in, in southern New Hampshire. They had had a church planter, and it, he had left, and the church didn't have anybody, and I was close by for that summer, and they asked me if I would preach there. And the second or third week I was there, one of the people approached me. This is a church of like six people, right? They approached me, and they said, hey, there's this woman. They gave me her name. They said, you know, she's a mother of three, and she tried to commit suicide, and she's in the hospital. I think it'd be good if you went by and visited with her. Now, you get around, I, I was a 20-year-old snotty college student, and this was a mother of three who had so much despair in her life that she had tried to take her life. And, and, I, and I'll never forget, when I, when I walked through that hospital door, and I don't, I, don't, I don't have any idea how I got myself to go, but when I walked through that hospital door, the last thought that went through my mind was, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to say to this woman. And, and i got to tell you, until you get to that place in your spiritual journey, you don't really ever learn very much about God. The last thing, then, is that I, the reason why we need to be sent people for ourselves, is that we, we really do learn that we can be agents of grace. That we really do learn a sense of perspective about who God is and what he's doing and how he can use us. Because I, 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 you know, a lot of us say, well, what difference do I make? You know, a couple things. Um, some of you know this, but about three weeks before we went to Rwanda, uh, Shane Caldwell, our church planter, who went with us, he and his wife found out that their youngest child has a disease called polymicrogyria, called PMG. And that means that the, the kind of the ruffles, the folds on the side of your brain, their son Chase has way more of them than he's supposed to, and they're a lot smaller than they're supposed to. And so what they're guaranteed medically at this point without the intervention of God is that Chase will probably never be able to walk, never be able to talk, will probably have to be fed with a feeding tube for his entire life. He's very unlikely to make it to adulthood. And that he's going to suffer seizures throughout his journey. And I, I talked to Shane, and I said, Shane, you know, if you just need to stay home, be with family, minister. He said, you know what? He said, Amy and I have talked about this. This is not like a kid having a broken leg and it's just a month and it's going to fit. This is something we're going to have to live with. We're going to be, keep doing ministry, you know, because this is going to be our journey for as long as the, the Lord keeps chasing our lives. So Shane went. And the final weekend that we're there and we're waiting like for hours for dinner to be delivered. I mean, you, you know, it's just like we ordered sandwiches and it was like two hours and 15 minutes later that they, they showed up. It's just African time. 
And 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 so and and while he's in the midst of that, he finds out that that Chase has had his first seizure. And by the time he gets back to his room and make a second call, he's had a second one, and he's headed into the hospital. And 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 here Shane is 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 six thousand miles from home. Grateful his mother-in-law is there to help out. And yet at the same time, just exuding the sense of this is all in God's hands. I'm in the right place. We're going home tomorrow, etc. And that's the place you don't get unless you're sent. Sometimes I wonder every fall as I sit down and write out my fundraising letter. You know, by the time we do the school scholarships and pay for 60 guys to come into the city and stay for two weeks and buy food and do everything, we've got to raise well over $20,000 every year to make this happen. And, and I wonder, you know what, is, is it really worth it? Are we making much of a difference? And, and you just want, you know, how much, how, you know, and, and, and can God do anything through our meager efforts? And then you get there. And unless you're sent, you never get there. When you get there and the guys are telling you, our churches are growing because we're teaching the Bible better. And then you go to the home. We were up in an area called Kinnigi, just up by the volcanic mountains where the gorillas live. And we were in, John and I had a chance to go into the home of one of the pastors. His name is Emmanuel. Uh, last year, Emmanuel had to leave our training early he had a five-year-old who drowned. There had been a kind of a ditch that had been dug, and it rained a lot, and this child somehow fell into it while playing with some other kids, and, and he died. And so we go to his home, and it's a family of six now instead of a family of seven. The house is like 12 by maybe 20. And so there's a small little living room, and then, and then no lights, no electricity at all, no running water on the property. Um, and, and, and there's a, one small little bedroom for he and his wife. There's another one for the four kids. There's a room in the back where they keep the goats at night. And then a place where they kind of store stuff, and, and that's it. And, and we're, we look around the side of the house, and there's a lean-to, and there are three stones on the ground, and, and that's where they cook. And then, then there's the grave of their son. And then there's what used to be their toilet. It was like an outhouse, but one of the walls blew down. So now they just kind of have the tin laying on the side. And you think, you, you feel like, how in the world can you impact any of this? And in many ways, there's st- still tons of needs there. But then you, you kind of run it right in front of where they cook, there's a goat, a mother goat, and there's three little ones running around. Four years ago, we bought 10 goats and told them to pass the female offsprings off to the other pastors who wanted them. And that represents, those three goats represent about $150 for him when he sells them at full size. And these are guys who make $2.50 a day on a good day. So that's two, three months income for them. And you're making a little difference. We sit in this home. It's raining. We manage a little light. And, and there's 
three benches with backs to them and a small little table. And he says to us, I learned how to build these things at the trade school that you've been sending me back to. And when I get done, I'm going to be able to start a business building furniture. And, and even though sometimes it doesn't seem that much, you multiply that now through 60 families around Rwanda and 60 churches around Rwanda. And sometimes when we're sent and we're open to being sent, you get a fresh appreciation of the way God can use you. And you don't ever get that unless you go. You're sent into your own world. When Jesus looks at us and says, the Father sent me, I'm sending you, he's doing that because we need to be sent. We need to be sent. And, that's, and, and there are spiritual lessons that our seven questies, and adult leaders, and the team that went on good reign, and the people over all the years that have gone out and served, there are spiritual lessons that you cannot learn unless you live your life with the concept, I'm sent. So I want to invite you to pray with me for just a minute as we move to concluding our service. I'm just going to share some needs and, and give you a moment to pray for them as we go along. And First of all, I, I want to invite you to pray for the seven Quest students who went out. Their prayer requests are, are really rich and have lots of dimensions to them, but just, just focus on the fact that they just pray for them that they will continue to really trust God because that's what they've asked for, that they would hear from God, and that they would be different, lastingly. I don't even know if that's even a word, but they, but they would be different from now on. Pray for them. Pray for the seven. Pray for the places where they served. Pray for more workers who are able to raise the support they need to, so they can minister among Hawaiians. Pray for a, 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 a native Dominican to rise up to take over some of the things that Ina does so that she can, with the sewing ministry and other things, so she can invest her time in other villages and in other ministries. For Patrick and Aaron in Glasgow to, to really settle into the community and have a a long-term place to live and really to be able to, to kind of be grafted in and make some connections. Pray for the fields. Pray for Rwanda, and, and it's not limited to Rwanda. It's in South Sudan and Somalia and Kenya, where there's just a major drought. It's creating huge famine. And hundreds, if not thousands, of people are dying of starvation. We had pastors last year whose families went days without food because there was just none. Pray for God to send the right kind of rain in the right amounts to Eastern Africa. 
Pray for us as a church that we would really be able to have that kind of connection with the next generation that was talked about from our church leaders today. Know them, to invest in them, to love them, to let their gifts flourish among us and for us to be blessed by them. Pray for yourself. How does God want to send you? How do you need to be sent? Father, as I conclude our prayer, I pray you transform our thinking. We look at that challenge of being sent by Christ, and we often embrace it. I know I often embrace it as this is something else I got to do. Keep God happy. God, help me, help all of us who are gathered here today to understand and appreciate and live our lives with the fact that being sent is one of the greatest blessings that you're trying to give us. Let us live our lives that way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.